Big surprisingly win for XRP. From my understanding, man, everyone said XRP was going to win. At least that was kind of what was inferred over the last six to eight months of tweets that I'd said. Big thing here says, therefore, having considered the economic reality and totality of circumstances surrounding the institutional sales, the court concludes that Ripple's institutional sales of XRP constituted the unregistered offer and sale of investment contract in violation of Section 5 of the Securities Act. So basically here it's saying that, at least from my understanding, Anything that's done OTC is not done on chain or through these registered exchanges is considered an investment contract and therefore is an unregistered security. I think this bodes very, very bad for a lot of altcoins who were selling their pre-sale tokens right. OTC. I think that Uncle Sam is just going to come through and just send thousands of fines to everybody, probably billions of dollars. This might even just be a better way for the US government to even just make money. We are back. I'm in a, in a different setting this time, pulling an atom to where, um, but not as not as nice though with the, uh, <laughs> the nice as, as the scenery as you do. <laughs> well, tell us how you got there. What are you up to, man? Yeah, dog sitting this time, man. Dog sitting <laughs> and house sitting. It's almost like I'm in college again, as we were talking right before this. You know how many Good. times I, I house sat in, in college just so I didn't have to be at my fraternity house? <laughs> so awesome dude i was telling i was telling jake before we got on the call i'm like this is like my first job i mean i've had literally i think i counted one time it was like 48 jobs in my life and uh but like the first first job was uh was taking care of pets like for neighbors and stuff and how i like my first stress dreams i was probably like nine years old my very first stress dream i wake up in like a cold sweat and it's like i had been dreaming that i'd forgot to feed the dogs for like three or four days <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility bro take it seriously <laughs> oh boy man uh everyone who's on the spaces uh, make sure you retweet what i'm about to pin so we can get some more people in here man we've taken a hit in the audience ever since leo stopped coming <laughs> <laughs> leo brings the bodies man brings the bodies bro he does he does yeah super super funny but uh, i don't know if you saw it's funny with this uh i think you probably saw the creators were getting paid out of twitter you know yesterday i think it was right and some people got some like real checks and and like people who are like i don't even think they're like relatively big like crypto people you know with hundred thousand you know followers were making you know five six seven thousand dollars i was like wow that's that's incredible and then I saw this tweet from Mr. Beast. I don't know if you saw that that tweet from Mr. Beast, where it was like anybody who the, the highest uh, liked reply in the comments gets all of my next month revenue off of Twitter. Oh my so god! It had like forty million, you know, views, a, a million comments, or ten million comments, some crazy thing. I, I retweeted. It. I was like, bro, is this what Twitter's gonna be? It's just like this retweeting machine. You know, is this all it's gonna be? Is like engagement farming? I hope not. But you can see how that can go down this like rabbit hole of like immediately the only p thing people are interested in is just divisive, crazy comments, because that's going to get the most comments, which is going to get the most, you know, ad views, which is going to get the most revenue. It could turn really bad quick. So we'll see how how Elon handles it. I, I was looking around trying to find um, this, any specific numbers. I saw a thread that the, the number uh, was eight around eight million dollars that was being distributed distributed between um all of the accounts and i think the numbers are you have to have five million engagement for three months in a row to get um the ad share revenue to me 
right? Crypto is the, the largest, at least from what I've seen from the stats, crypto is the largest community on Twitter. Um, and, and crypto will find ways to, uh, to game the system. So oh, I'm, yeah. in, I'm really interested to see how this goes. I mean, it's so easy to just say, hey, I'm Frank. I'm going to make sure that everyone boosts my engagement so that we get the ad share revenue. And then we're just going to sweep the floor with you gods with that money you know, or something like that. Like oh, bro, you're now see my idea generating machine <laughs> just immediately clicks in. It's like, okay, we're going to create a DAO. And that DAO, we're going to have one like, you know, Twitter personality at the head of that DAO. And then there's going to be, you know, 10,000 of us in this DAO. And all we're going to do is engagement farm these tweets and that money. Oh, man. It's yeah, sweet, it's, man. It's <laughs> definitely going to be rife with manipulation for sure. But uh-huh. I mean, hey, if that's what puts, uh, if if this is what leverages crypto to just take over Twitter entirely, then hey, so be it. Um, but I think it's definitely a shot against threads for sure. It seems like threads are dead. My, uh, I went over there and tweet, I was tweeting thing, non-crypto things and uh, my followers have definitely stopped uh, coming in. It was shooting up like crazy, but it feels like a lot of people just downloaded it and, and now they just left. Yeah, I, I stayed on for five minutes. I was like, I can't, I don't want to. I don't actually want to be there. Like I did Instagram for years um, for businesses and stuff. And I like fake a gram. I'm just not into it, man. I am not into like that fake life uh, social media anymore. And, um, you know, I understand that some people are, but yeah, I, I just, I just don't want to do it because I just don't want to be a part of it, you know, but, and plus all this, I mean, you saw the censorship happening immediately. Not a fan of that. Even though obviously we have still censorship here on Twitter, it's less robust. Um, not a big fan. And it's amazing how people have just completely forgotten Zuckerberg, <laughs> you know, completely forgotten what he's up to, but you know, Hey, teach his own. Yeah. 5 million engagement. That is not an easy fee. I think my account gets around like 1 million, uh, a month, but, and that's not really even trying. That's kind of just tweeting. Uh, yeah. so there is now an actual bar for these, for people who want to be Twitter influencers, um, to get paid. I don't know what that actual amount would be. I think it'd be, I think it would be cool if you, if it, if there was like an open source, ad share revenue pot that showed you like how much money was in this pot. I think that would also probably encourage a lot. I don't think Twitter's going anywhere. I I even said that I thought threads was, wasn't really competition to begin with the Instagram influencer crowd. I don't think wants to tweet. I don't think they're good at text, right? They just want to basically show off their butts. Yep. Um, and, uh, and sell you uh, Brazilian butt lifts and, uh, and, and makeup products. I think is kind of where where that is going. Yeah, and I don't think um, I think the the best analysis I heard was that this is simply a way to basically they're going to take this and move it into Instagram and and Facebook or whatever as kind of like the text based arm of those platforms. That made some sense to me. Um, that that's the way forward. It's not not necessarily as a standalone, but who knows? Like Zuck, if it wins and it is a standalone, perfect. But it seems more likely that this is more about creating a, a better text-based platform for those other platforms. Yeah, I agree as well. So I guess the first thing we should start off with is crypto is not a security. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I'm going to pull well, up. As a- of now, as of now. Yeah. As of now. I mean, there's, there's definitely some, um, 
there's there's definitely some components to this, which I think people are also kind of dismissing. So I pulled up here Adam Cochran's tweet where he kind of just like always dives into different specifics of it. Uh, so it's mostly good for alts, he says. Um, big surprisingly win for XRP. Although I, from from my understanding, man, everyone said XRP was going to win. At least that was kind of uh, what was inferred over the last six to eight months of, of tweets that I'd said. Um, the big the big thing here says, therefore, having considered the economic reality and totality of circumstances surrounding the institutional sales, the court concludes that Ripple's institutional sales of XRP constituted the unregistered offer and sale of investment contract in violation of Section 5 of the Securities Act. So basically here it's saying that um, anything that's OTC, at least from my understanding, anything that's done OTC is not done on-chain or through these registered exchanges is considered an investment contract and therefore is an unregistered security. So before we dive into the rest of that, man, I think this bodes very, very bad for um, a lot of altcoins who um, were selling their pre-sale tokens OTC. I think that Uncle Sam is just going to come through and just send thousands of fines to everybody. And it'll probably clear out a lot. Probably, yeah. Probably billions of dollars. This might even just be a better way for Uncle Sam to honestly, or for the U.S. government to even just make money. It's just because they know that most of these uh, private sales, especially last bull run, were done over the counter. They were not done through exchanges or uh, through Uniswap. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what where they would put. Because um, I'm I'm a little bit gray on like what that means exactly. For example, like obviously like Ethereum. For example, take the biggest one, right? They had this like a presale, right? What they were calling a presale, mm-hmm. where the founders got a percentage and then. I guess it was open to everybody. So I guess in that way, it's different, right? Is that it's open to everybody at the same time, therefore not a security, right? Um, While others, I guess, who took VC money, as far as my understanding goes, like if you did that, but it was after like a VC round, that VC round would be considered a security sale, but then the public sale would not be be considered a security sale. Is Is that, do I have that right? So here on the next uh, on the next tweet, and then I'll call on uh, Ethord next. It says, "But the programmatic sale of exchanges did not meet the third prong. So sales to users was fine, and this is all regarding primary sales, as long as it's not through as long as through the order book and not through an ICO, IEO, launch pad, and things like that. So it needs to be sold through the order book, and that does not constitute an investment contract." But if it is sold through something like a Launchpad, an ICO, all these like initial exchange offerings, that is considered an unregistered security. And as we know, if you're around in 2017, there were tons of ICOs, right? And this is basically what meme coiners were doing, where it's just saying, hey, send money to this contract and then we'll just airdrop you these tokens. From my understanding, that is considered an unregistered security. If you were selling these through these... Uh, if you're doing it through, um, I guess, launch pads that were not that are not um, exchanges, that is also considered an unregistered security because they're considering considering it an investment contract. Because we know what launch pads are. Launch Wait, pads. so w- to bring it to like a modern case, right? The Ben.eth one, yeah, right, where it's like send in Ethereum and I will send you back a token at some point in the future. Then that that would fit into that kind of unregistered security thing, right? 
that from my understanding yes yeah so they from from here because if you're i guess if you're selling it through the order book um they're not considering it an investment contract but if you're doing it through launchpad they're they they use the howie test on this if you actually read like the the documents or the um the initial uh case study yep so a lot of these meme corners are definitely uh they're definitely due um millions of dollars um and so my my next guess is the uh sec is probably going to appeal this maybe they don't and maybe they just send out billions of dollars in fines and uh i think the market will definitely react to that and then it'll probably be up only right after that ethord what do you think yeah i'm just trying to think of some of the icos that are actually successful that would would hurt a lot because so many of them have died out and are just kind of zombies anyway i'm looking at the top 30 i don't know chain link i know was kind of around that time i'm not sure how it sold but i think it might have sold something like that um but i don't know i mean most of these most of these in the top 20 didn't and i'm just trying to think who this really hurts uh, with these kind of new classifications yeah well you also have to think too there's a handful of the 2017 icos that have already paid fines too uh i believe eos paid a pretty large fine um my guess is the ethereum foundation is just gonna get fined pretty hard i don't know though i wasn't around it's during that i see i don't think they were around i wasn't around during the ico so i don't remember how it was done i don't know if it was done through an exchange or not uh i just know that if you sent eth somewhere you got two thousand bitcoin or if you sent one bitcoin, you, bitcoin got and you got ETH, yeah exactly you got but i think uh, i'm pretty sure other than you know there were the founders got an allotment um I'm pretty sure it was open to the public. It was like, you'd, it was wide open. It wasn't like, you know, there wasn't any restriction on it. So it was a public offering. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I I, I kind of like the ruling because uh, now they're pushed, they're going to be pushing all these sales to exchanges and to on-chain um, kind of on-chain launch pads of some sort. So it makes it more of an even playing field, right? If you remember... And during 2021, the whole issue with Solana was that most of the round was private and, and uh, nobody else got access to it. And then these, these, um, these funds were just trading kind of like the, the vesting contracts on the back end so nobody else could get to it. In my, my understanding, that would be considered an unregistered security in this case. So you'll probably see fines go out to literally every smart contract team of some sort to get a big fine. At this point, though, they've, they all have enough like probably more more than enough to get the fine like my question is what will the fine be for xrp knowing them though they've got quite quite a large treasury uh, i do know um that they're also might file a lawsuit against brad garlinghouse um as well saying that they were he was abetting um securities laws uh, purposely so that, i guess that'll be like a different case so it says the bounties investments or bounties and investments in others using xrp grants using xrp and transfers to execs and xrp are not considered securities overall a huge win xrp is one of the more centralized foundations with the key figurehead who had standard sales via exchanges and formal distribution programs if those aren't securities then nothing likely is um so the morale here he says kind of sum, sum it up don't do institutional pri private rounds, OTC, sell via exchanges, distribute via protocol natively, 
and they says fuck you gensler <laughs> <laughs> the uh it's it's funny i mean what are the odds that you then get the um larry fink you know cnbc interview again this morning you know right on the heels of this it all almost just seems orchestrated you know the yeah. way that kind of stuff works it just it just literally seems like i am not a conspiracy theorist but when you start seeing this stuff it's like wow this is really what a coincidence you know, <laughs> I, saw, I saw too that the the SEC acknowledged like two or three ETFs in the last two or three days. The BlackRock's, Fidelity's, and a few others. So my guess is maybe they just like start accepting these ETFs and they just go say, "Hey, we're gonna cut our losses." And uh, that would be amazing. I just don't see these guys don't seem like cut losses type people. Like I I, I would be if I was betting, I would bet that they're definitely going to appeal this and, uh, you know, drag it out another couple of years. You know, it's just, it's unfortunate, but that seems to be the MO of Hey, BlackRock doesn't lose their ETF filings. They've lost one in the last like 25 years. Or really? Something. Oh, they've, uh, the, the stat I think was they've submitted 500 and something ETFs and they've won all of them except for one. Wow. <laughs> the last like 20 or, or 20 years or something. Amazing amazing so you you can't fade larry fink you know he has the political power so that's why he's going out there and saying it he controls like the government (laughs) you know not to go down too deep a rabbit hole but i've gotten on some tiktok rabbit holes where these guys break down (laughs) the the biggest holders of basically every corporation every powerful corporation in america and it's always blackrock right blackrock and vanguard and how these guys wield this power like good lord and uh it's a big issue. It's a big problem, but it is what it is. So, Hey, I mean, you know, it's, it's always funny though. Like, Hey, if it pushes our bags forward, great. You know? And it's like, that's the way humans operate. Um, which is just as long as my bags aren't affected, I'm fine with it, which is crazy, but that's the way we are. Yeah. How funny is it always like that? I put this tweet out yesterday. I thought it was funny too. I wonder if it's still like this. Oh, uh, at one point yesterday, the top five tokens were all the five coins that were named in the SEC versus Coinbase filing. Oh, no way. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it, was like, it was like XRP, Cardano, Solana, uh, Polygon, another one. They were literally all five the top. <laughs> totally makes sense, man. Totally makes sense. But market seems to be on fire. It seems like there's a little bit of a rotation now, just kind of diagnosing it. Synthetics networks, are you seeing some of the uh, OG um DeFi tokens picking back up i guess that's a big win for DeFi sectors so if this is an alt season you know stellar and xrp are still there uh maybe you got to start buying some of these xrp nfts do you have you have you been following that at all no <laughs> no but i believe it man uh, i i'm still trying to stay out of the uh meme coin game and <laughs> all those in general just not trying to i don't want to get my brain in there because i know how addictive you know trading is and i know that i suck at it as well so those two factors lead me to never involve myself in it hey big win for a lot of things big big win for brc20s too i suppose right <laughs> what was what's happening with uh bit god i saw they were supposed to have something yesterday and yeah. then they moved what tell tell me what's going on with that it was quite interesting actually uh, so the spaces was supposed to be yesterday. They they started a new, or they basically rebranded everything. Now it's called the ones. And from my understanding, the ones. Let's see if I can pull the tweet up here. Uh, the well, ones originally was redacted, right? That's what it yeah. is. So the so the holding company is, uh, or or their LLC, I guess, or the the team is called redacted. And so they've now morphed it because it sounds like they're uh, a little bit farther along. 
it's called the ones is and this is like they're going to be their nft project and i think big god put a tweet out earlier let me see if i could find it um here it is so everything in crypto is being uh put under a microscope right now and i do have to say before i continue to read if you go into his discord there is a lot of fun in there. There is a lot of um, pain. It is a lot of the when, when, when type crowd. And so I, I really kind of sympathize with them because he's definitely, he's getting the, the he's, yeah, he's it's, getting it's the It's interesting that that's the case. I'm, I'm a bit surprised because I would have thought these people, you know, follow him and are so into him that they would have given him a pass. It's not like he's messed anything up yet, mm -hmm. right? So I would have thought they would have given him a pass, you know, as they usually do for these kind of, you know, founder, you know, influencers like Frank or whatever, mm -hmm. where you almost can't do wrong until you do wrong. So it's like, as long as they haven't put anything out, they're good. You know what I mean? It's, that's usually the MO is just like, as long as they haven't screwed up by actually releasing something, you almost get like infinite passes um and he hasn't really released anything so i'm surprised there there's major fud in there there is it's even when we launched the brc20 product with him and i went in there people just did not they they didn't register to it they're just more they're more focused on the price being down from 27 cents to four cents yeah. and so a lot of people probably bought the top or whatever but things that i that I saw in there is that a lot of them wanted 10k pfp projects and things like this and so i think this post right here from today is just him speaking out of frustration more than anything. Um, so he says, in particular, the 10K PFP NFT, why the monkey with the 50th do-rag or the giraffe with the stone eyes is tedious. And so he basically goes on to say, like, he's not doing a 10K PFP. That's not the intention. And so he says, uh, for identity, you want quality. You want to be different. You want to feel special. This is the ones. The ones are a commitment to bringing art and culture to Bitcoin, commitment to quality, commitment to longevity the ones will be explained on saturday is oxb always going to be evolved and redacted for now yes for now is a little scary uh, right the ones are honestly the ones are just the first thing redacted is working on uh has redacted or oxbt ever sold or team ever sold oxbt no oxbt has never been sold on the open market to vcs or to an external uh party and then he goes on to say, I realize I may get a ton of heat for these takes, but I, but I'm at the point of no return. Clearly the model of the 10 KPFP is broken. Someone needs to do something about it. it. says to be very clear, I'm here to stay convicted on Bitcoin ordinals and everything in the building. And what there was something that he said, I uh, love that first comment, by the way, <laughs> 10 K is broken. Try 9,999. The reason why it was pushed back is he said that it was pushed back for legal reasons. It was like the big thing. Yeah, he said that is that they held off on it. So if he says for now, OXBT, you know, maybe there's some sort of legal case surrounding BRC20s, which is, uh, you know, it could be, could bode that very bad. Uh, as we know, um, OpenSea also um paused listings for for us for our brc22 for some sort of like legal concerns so um i think people are still trying to figure out what these are but i mean if xrp is not a security right brc20s i couldn't see being a security if anything they're they'd be more of a commodity than anything also right the i, I could see just like kind of initial concerns right he did they did launch it on a launch pad which right would be an un unregistered security 
but they didn't sell anything. It was yeah. free. It was a free mint. But I could see, you know, some angst of well, maybe they might have gotten some. Maybe they worked out a deal with the minting. I'm, I'm just saying, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. It's possible they took a portion of mint fees or something. Yeah, if they did, then you know, behind the doors, then that would be some concerns. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there's probably something behind the scenes that they're not talking about. But for me, it's a free mint. You did use a launch pad, but it's also on Bitcoin. If Bitcoin's a commodity, right, then with a BRC20, it's still the same. It's still the same. It's still an ordinal at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's kind of like what we were saying to OpenSea. But, you know, everyone's still, it's still the peak bear market. And uh, there's still a lot of things that have to be figured out. So that was my guess is they probably had to internalize and really figure out what they wanted to do. If he dumps OXBT, man, I'm going to be down bad, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, I mean, it, it's interesting. Well, would they use OXBT as the way to like purchase uh, mm -hmm. funds, right? That that would reward one holders, right? That that would be a reward. And I think that would be a good thing for them to do. Um, worst case for me, you know, and I hold zero. So I'm, I'm not, I do not have a dog in this, in this race, but I think the, the most negative would be, Hey, we're doing a, you know, uh, whatever collection i say it's open mint and anybody can get it and you know it's you know 0.01 btc or something right where it looks it begin it looked like a money grab or something um that would be i think super negative i think you know their their community might be bullish on it but from a, a outsider looking in perspective that would be like oh boy um he wasted his uh well, not wasted. He earned earned BTC for it, but like his his good vibes are that that's basically going to be it for him. But I don't know. It's going to be it's not a, not an easy um, needle to thread. He's not in a great position if if he's already getting fud in his Discord. Um, yeah, it's, I wouldn't want to be in this position. Dude, you guys, I just have to say, I'm so sick and tired of these genuine people these influencers coming in and dropping these free mints on the <laughs> like, it makes me sick to my stomach that these grifters actually have the audacity to to bring value to create value and distribute that and like have a perfect mint like that is just <laughs> it's ridiculous it's all a spade a spade it's wrong it's just wrong i say uh. <laughs> yeah, like, you look at Bitcoin whales, yes, they absolutely crushed the Twitter algorithm. And each founder has like 130K followers. It was a free mint. Yeah, Gamma wasn't, you know, prepared to with with the with the proper kind of minting infrastructure to get those minted out. And just that FUD alone just really killed momentum. But at the end of the day, you know, after a 24-hour period, you know, 8,000 digital assets went out to people's wallets and it was free. So it's, it's just, you can't, this is bear market mentality. Like people are just, you know, they're demanding <laughs> the, the bar is like, where is the bar right now? It's ridiculous. Like you literally can't win. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I think the art is, is awesome on Bitcoin whales. I don't think people appreciate the kind of time that goes into all this stuff and seize control and Big God, everything like if you if you DM Big God, like he responds. I don't think people understand like just how much time and energy and thought and love and passion goes into these things. 
it's so easy just like if you have nothing going on in your life it's so easy to pop into a discord and just like spam like and just make up all these theories about like yeah i mean it's just kind of ridiculous and i think um you know maybe maybe all these factors that you guys were discussing is going to kind of bring us out of this and change sentiment um i was pretty pretty bullish off the bottom in fact i i only posted two two little price predictions uh like bottom posts back in june um i'm i'm excited to see you know some of the bears flip bullish that's usually like a sentiment indicator for me for me to get bearish but i'll embrace it i'll embrace it uh larry fink you know for people who don't know if blackrock was a country it'd be the third largest country you know by, by value um it's a little deceiving because technically it's their customers funds yeah but it's just in a influence funds, they control those funds and yeah. the influence right that's the thing yeah. the the new york stock exchange is like i don't know 77 trillion dollars it really does guide the entire world and larry fink pretty much guides the entire investing community so you could say you know outside of Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, like Larry Fink pretty much tells everyone what to invest in. If if he says, look, the next decade is gonna be ESG, you know, you, people start investing in ESG over a decade, not just like, oh, I'm gonna buy it today and sell it tomorrow, you know, like some of these altcoin pumps we're seeing, you know, we've seen this in the past, like Ethereum Classic, EOS, um, you know, a lot of these things will just have massive, massive pumps because they're easy to get pushed around. There's low float. There's no liquidity. So price can just like explode. You know, I hope some of the, the new people kind of coming in, maybe they came to back to Bitcoin through ordinals. I hope they get to see a 25% move because what I'm seeing is, you know, it's, it almost seems like Larry Fink has a bag bias now like bro i supposedly was pumping oxbt in private calls man i was, I, was <laughs> I, I heard that i heard that but no the the uh the frequent cnbc appearances yeah like I, i'm not impressed by this move to be honest like yeah i i hold a lot, a lot of things that went up significantly in value sure but like Bitcoin went from 30,000 to 31,000. Yeah, dude. I mean, I mean that's what I said. I think Jake said X, XRP was up 70 or 80%. I was like, is that all? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Still, yeah, I mean, still off like 80% from its all-time high. <laughs> so, so to me, like the inflows haven't even begun. And I think there's still a lot of hesitation. Mm -hmm. I think to the normal crowd, they're like, okay, maybe there's, um, you know, clarity on the security Maybe there isn't. I think once they see a, a tradable spot uh, Bitcoin ETF, that's going to kind of signal, okay, you know, this is fully embraced by the, you know, traditional financial institution. This has been graced. And, you know, when GLD came out, the gold ETF, it saw billions and billions of inflows in that first week. And I, I expect something similar and I expect people to trade that and it could always be a sell the news event at first sure. um but yeah we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes i think the bigger thing here that people aren't thinking about and what could actually be a massive massive tailwind is the political side of things right if biden's approval rating is like super low not to get political but like there is going to be a candidate i expect bitcoin on the ballot 
So what I mean by that is like, if you need to drum up support, like look what Elizabeth Warren did. She thought people were like, we're going to join her by saying like, oh, these crypto people got rich and we don't like that because prices are high and inflation's high. So let's make them the enemy. And that, that didn't work. I don't think, I don't think that works on the youth. They're like, uh, actually, this is kind of cool. Like I can, you know, be in control of my money and, you know, peer to peer and all decentralized fashion. So I think it's a really easy, low hanging fruit and politicians can pivot on a dime. I mean, tomorrow Biden could say, Hey, I need to drum up a lot of support from this base who I know is going to vote democratic. And they could literally fire Gary Gensler, replace them with someone that next week embraces crypto and see this massive boon. And that's the kind of like, if the ship is turning right now, very slowly, you know, at that point, it'll completely be going in the other direction. And I think, you know, having seen a few cycles, it's like, you see this kind of grind and this chop, you know, we're, we're going up, but not very quickly. And then boom, it's like, you can't even catch it. Yep. And I'm not talking about low flow altcoins. I'm talking about Bitcoin, like 20% candles. Yeah, I mean, look, the the retail isn't isn't here yet, right? This is a, a new new followers, new people are not here yet. This is all just us all trading our own money, right? The, the, the new people are not have not arrived yet, and so um, yeah, the bull cycle really doesn't really it may begin now, but it's not really fully on until we just onboard a whole you know the next 10, 15, 20 million people. We still have the Coinbase lawsuit. You still have the Binance lawsuit. You still have to wait for an appeal. Like there's still a lot of things that have to happen. You're gonna have to wait for these this wave of fines to go out. Like there we're we're nowhere out of the clear. Nowhere. And there's still gonna be some hesitation, but we'll take the W. It was, yeah, it was, it was a, good, bro. It was it was the first, first W that crypto's really had in quite some time. So a while. Yeah, it's or, been so all, all blues for a while. What's with the fines? Was that part of the the ruling? Well, yeah. So, so uh, we we discussed this a little bit in the beginning, but XRP and Ripple they're still getting sued. So anything that's any primary sale of distribution of XRP that was not facilitated through an exchange is considered an unregistered security. So all of their OTC sales to institutions, they're gonna have to pay a fine for. And if you know how crypto works these private OTC deals when a token starts is how most of these alt layer ones get their funds. They do these private sales to hedge funds or crypto VCs, and then they, um, they sell it. And so my guess is this is how U S government's probably just going to make a ton of money because they're going to go find Solana. They're going to go find, uh, Aptos. They're going to go find, um, near and all these other alt layer ones and all these meme coiners who are saying, Hey, send me money at this wallet address. And then I'll airdrop you tokens from this ruling. That's considered an unregistered security because they're considering that a financial contract, uh, or financial investment contract, but, but distributing yeah. it through a crypto exchange is not considered an investment vehicle. So, uh, that's my- great. I mean, they're being treated like banks, like mm-hmm. banks, literally. Okay. You make, billions and billions of dollars a year and then you pay like hundreds of millions in fines like that is that's how how the game goes <laughs> yep. like look at wells fargo i mean they settle every year they get sued and fined for hundreds of millions of dollars but it doesn't even matter that's just part of doing business yep, yep. 
Yeah. So it's, for me, I, my favorite part of that is that it's going to bring all these transactions on chain for the most part. Um, so that people don't get fined. I, gu I guarantee you're going to start seeing some of these like on-chain launchpads probably start up or some sort, or there's going to be these uh, token portals that are going to be registered. It does centralize some power. I get re-centralized some power with these crypto exchanges again, but uh, it gives also another uh, a lot of opportunity. So maybe these small companies, these small American companies that were forced out like Bittrex might be able to come back um, Coinbase will have their own portal and, uh, it makes them a little bit more powerful in America, but does, it does, uh, eliminate a lot of that scam. And it also creates a lot more equal opportunity for any, uh, anybody to get in on these early token offerings, uh, which is originally how it was. And then kind of got away with it, um, over the last few years. Um, cause I know for example, I know for example, most of Solana's token distribution was done private OTC. And the reason why I know that is because all in podcasts have talked about it publicly. <laughs> so, are you saying uh, David Sachs going to jail? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you'll you'll see some of these. Uh, my guess is you'll probably see like a wave of fines go out, probably in the like tens of billions of dollars, and it might cripple some of these firms. And then the other ones are like, hey, we prepared for this day, and uh, and then that'll be over with. And then once that's done. Uh, we get to move on to the next thing, the Coinbase. Well, I hope it. I hope it goes that smoothly. I think it's more yeah. like this. I think this is going to drag out. This may not be over, right? If this <laughs> goes to a higher court and gets overturned, good God help us, you know. So. Yeah, it'll be tough, but yeah, you never really know. Uh, but cl uh, closing, I did want to close up on that OXBT chat. Uh, so tomorrow, I think at one p.m. it is. They're going to talk about the ones which is his NFT project. My guess is it's maybe it's just like a bunch of one of ones. Maybe they're, uh, um, I know I, I've talked with him privately about some of it. So I, I don't want to say too much because I don't know for sure if that's still what they're doing. Uh, but it does sound pretty cool, like what they've been planning. And uh, I do believe like the original plan was to, to spend OXPT on these NFTs, um, which is also something that, MXRC and the MetaGood project um, is doing as well, um, which they also launched too. So they followed kind of the OXBT route and launched on Luminex as well. Free Mint, right? Damn them! Their tokens, all their their BRC twenty is also down bad. But they're they're going forward with it, and I believe it's ten thousand MXRC, which is like I don't know, hundred bucks or something. And I believe they're burning um, the or burning like fifty percent of it or something like that. Wait, so, let's let's try to get an estimate on how much OXBT I'm going to need to get a couple of these. What do you think I'm, I'm probably going to need? Um, I guess probably ten thousand. Well, it's two hundred million, so maybe ten thousand. I think he said in the in the Discord it was ten thousand or something around there. Uh, the token or the let's see on Sat Sats Hunter it says that OXBT is four cents right now. That's oh, up a little bit, so yeah, like four and a half cents or so. So, so for ten k, what is that? 40 bucks is going to get me 10k or no 40 400 is it 40 wait wait am i am i doing my no, how many 400, zeros yeah, 400 400 so here you can see oxbt and this is a good site too sats watcher i this is what i've been using a lot um so here you could look it's funny i put a tweet out the other day all these brc20 tokens that have uh over 10,000 holders they're all like down like astronomically bad like look at this <laughs> That just, to me, it just looks like accumulation more than anything. Uh, let's see. Like MXRC, I think, is similar as well. 
uh, if you start like diagnosing these, like you can even see some of my yeah, buys. Close, yeah. I've, been, I've been buying it like all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in it, man. I've actually talked with good like a handful of times on like private and we did a podcast and I think he, I think that team got dealt a really bad hand, but I like, uh, I like what they're doing. So, um, but then on the other hand, like these like low cap, low holder tokens, like this is only like 10,000, I think. And like, you can see like, it's like near it's all time high. And a lot of these are like that. Like track is like that too. Um, I'm just like publicizing Dude, all my buys, but Jake, whatever. This, this site sats watcher is pretty dope. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, um, no problem. Love He's... that. For anyone down, not looking, you know, it's, it's like trading view for BRC twenties. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. It, it does have some issues. I think it still runs into like the indexer issues where all these indexers are still not always completely on page. Although they do get, it is pretty close. And that's, uh, yeah, that's my favorite tool for that so far. I think it's cool just the sheer amount of holders on OXBT. The fact that the market cap is still $8 million and, uh, you know, the team hasn't sold anything. Billy hasn't sold anything. I may have round trip some buys, you know. But let's yeah. go. That's nothing new in crypto, man. <laughs> well, hey, look, it's bullish for it. If if it's required to, to purchase the uh, PFPs, I think that'll cause a nice bump in price right i mean that just that would make sense not I, to say go buy it but you know that would make sense at least these ones like mxrc b botc oxbt these are all going to be like their their community currencies um of some sort so i'm interested to see how they how they differentiate uh but to me i i see a future where like you know if like omnisat is live and you can have uh, you can purchase NFTs or like ordinals, like a sub 10K with OXBT or with MXRC. I think that's kind of like where this is going to go. Granted, it's probably going to take a year or two to get there um, for the technology. Jake, can you hear me too? Are you able to hear me? <laughs> I think, I wonder if Jake, like, yo, Jake, can you hear me, man? It's funny. I, I'm, I'm still in the stream yard, but you vanished. All right. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you mute it. Sorry guys. I don't know what to, yeah. <laughs> Desktop said Jake rug pulled. I don't know what happened. Yeah, it just went down for a second. That was weird. That's that's wild, man. That's the first time that one's ever happened. Yeah, that was weird. Um, all right, we're back. Guys, we, we don't know what a stream yard is, okay? <laughs> they don't know what a stream yard is. They don't know what video is. They don't know any of this stuff, man. They don't want they know what hacking the system. Are. That's it. <laughs> all right, mo moving on to the next thing, and then we'll we'll go into to Hoarder's Corner next. Uh, there was a recent uh, historical NFT relaunch. We hadn't talked about it. We haven't had one of these, Adam, in, in quite quite some time i guess quite the last one was also a pepe it was you know peparium or whatever it was probably the last you know significant one uh yeah we're going yeah. we're going back to our roots yeah this one was kicked around for a while with these guys were trying to get this together um, yeah and can you pin that to the top too so that they can uh they yeah. see it's on uh, niche niche sex so the first 
Pepe PFP collection was launched in 2018 and might be a diamond in the rough. Here's why I think it should be something special about it. And you can see these Pepe's are pretty cool looking, right? They got a, an Elvis. If you guys can see on, uh, on YouTube, you'll be able to fall through or the pinned post that Adam will put. So Adam and I, for those who don't know, we come from the historical NFT community and ETH Horde. That's kind of where me, Adam, and Leo uh, and ETH Horde, we all began back in 2021. So we're all familiar with this. Adam had helped relaunch, I don't know, dozens of these like older NFT projects. And every once in a while, the community uh, uncovers a project and they help relaunch it. And um, you want to tell them how complex it is to, to try to relaunch one of these things? Well, first of all, like this, and I, I don't know the full details. So, um, you know, I didn't, I, I heard about it. Some guys contacted me, you know, maybe a month and a half or two months ago about it. Um, and so I didn't go too deep on it, but the, some of the challenges are, for example, um, you know, okay, where are the images stored? Um, in this contract, I'm not exactly sure, but I don't believe they're IPFS or anything like that. Um, what is the token? I believe this is like an ERC-20 token. Um, so it's it, there's all these questions and issues uh, just like with the base level contract. And then do they know who the founder is? Can they work with the founder? Who holds the supply, right? Um, this, I believe you can still go and mint and all this sort of stuff, but... Um, you know, there are all these technical challenges because most of these contracts have significant problems uh, to bring them to a modern collector. And so usually like with these guys, they had to build a, a wrapper to actually put the, the tokens into, um, which will allow them to be, be listed on OpenSea and this sort of stuff. Um, so the, it's significant. The challenge are not, they're not zero. And um, whatever, whatever they, they did a nice job of relaunching it and, you know, telling a little bit about the story and stuff. And, uh, you know, here it is, is, you know, a 2018, you know, Pepe project on Ethereum, which, which did have, I believe, you know, this kind of like, um, similar to, you know, crypto kitties, this, this ability to like mint new ones based on other ones and, you know, this kind of breeding mechanism. And so it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of cool. The images, you know, it's, I was talking to Jake offline a little bit about it. It's like, you know, people get really strict on what's good or not good or, or legitimate or not legitimate based on their bag preference often. <laughs> and so I am absolutely not going to talk negatively about this at all because I don't know any of the details. Um, I know, but that it's a legit 2018 project that failed in 2018, but you know, it is what it is. Like this is another kind of cool little uh, project that was done, failed. And you know, these guys bringing it back. Because Pepe's interesting, dude. Pepe's always going to be interesting, and that it was one of the first on on Ethereum is cool, and uh, yeah. So these guys, I think, did a pretty nice job bringing it back. And I pulled a, one of the posts from the uh, the thread. I think this is one of the founders. This was from April 18, 2018. Said it would be a great promotion if this profile pic thing goes viral. <laughs> that is a freaking great. That is a really great. Uh, little snippet man that is so cool dude that is cool man i mean look back then this profile pic thing or whatever you know we were still calling them avatars back then right mm -hmm. it's like it's so cool when you catch little snippets like that yeah i actually had the pfp uh godfather i forget uh was actual name is on my podcast and he had created like an avatar project in 2003 even before the pfp stuff um and he's totally. done like his whole like historical uh kind of timeline on it 
And it didn't even be cut. It wasn't considered. Nothing was considered a PFP until literally like 2020, 2021. It was yep. still just like very new, even though they're kind of referencing it here. So this is a combination. Yeah, there was a breeding component to it. You could also, I believe, fight these Pepe's in an arena of some sort. <laughs> and there was a token that you could mine called the DPEP token. Yeah, I think you needed the DPEP to actually mint the new ones. Correct me if I'm wrong. If anybody knows who's in the uh, audience, please come up and tell us about the uh, the details. But I think you needed that in order to then kind of do the minting of new ones kind of thing. That, that was my rough understanding but i may be wrong so yeah something like that and there's also a proof of work uh mechanic to it as well so there is at least from the supply so there's 1100 gen zero uh crypto papes 100 were pre-mined by the founders so they're the ones that are probably dumping on everybody um there is a duplicate contract created in 2021 to avoid bugs they were wrapped and i'm gonna go over here to uh here i'll go to the website first um so website looks pretty cool, right? I mean, it's pretty standard. They did a good job. Crypto Pepe's was a 2018 NFT breeding and collecting game on Ethereum where the initial supply of the NFTs had to be mined. There were plans to also make a battle style game and build its own blockchain called Pep Chain. <laughs> These grand plans, man. <laughs> hey, Crypto Pepe exists as a collectible historical NFT in the first Pepe PFP collection. It's pretty pretty cool stuff. I didn't buy any yet. I was gonna wait for the price to come down. To be like, to be completely honest, when I first checked these out, the floor on these Gen Zeros were like one ETH, and uh, I think now they've come down like quite quite drastically. Here, I'm gonna pull this up on uh, on on OpenSea. But Ethor, I'd like to hear your opinion on these. I know as you're one of our native historical NFT friends, did you uh, buy any of these Crypto Pepe's? I have not. I saw a tweet about it yesterday. It's been pretty crazy busy. I haven't been on Twitter and, and in, in the crypto scene as much the last two weeks. But yeah, I mean, they look awesome. I remember there being a couple of different Pepe projects that came up. And it's. did you say that even this one had a duplicate contract in 2021? Yep. Yeah, it's awesome, man. <laughs> always yeah. always the case always bro i mean and i'm just waiting for somebody to find the earlier version that doesn't really work <laughs> that one back. but yeah it's funny man and, and they are cool like legit like if these i mean i've seen a lot of bad you know pepe kind of pfps uh newer ones these are, are legit cool um so you know they're it's cool. So what's the total supply because of breeding and all that? And have they turned off that feature? I believe it's still open as far as I know. Um, you can still breed them uh, like today. From, from what I read, you could still breed them, but I believe they cut the wrapper off around like 5,500. Yeah. What? You can't do that, Jake. That's illegal. <laughs> I believe so. It was somewhere in here. Yeah, right here. So it says right here, it says... Uh, the current wrapper only supports the existing supply when the wrapper was finalized this year, approximately 5,500. Yeah, so they cut they cut the wrapper off. That's not a real wrapper. A wrapper wraps the entire contract, Jake. I'm just joking. This is a salty Adam with all the, all the uh, you know, my DMs filled with people uh, yelling at me. But, uh, you know, times change, people change. Uh, it's all good, man. It, it's it's cool. And, the historical uh, NFT community is, become, is, is loosening their... It's so funny, you know, at the end of the day, actually, at the end of the day, it's nice because those people who were super hardcore fight everything. This is awful. You know, 
this isn't true have come around to like the softer side where it's just like, no, man, this, you know, it's 2018 contract, you know, cool or not. It is what it is. You can like it or not and collect it or not. And the value is going to be decided by the law, by the market period, full stop long-term. And uh, so we'll see how it goes, but welcome Pepe 2018 to the historical NFT community. Yeah. Love it. Love to get to dive back into it. Have not left the historical NFT community. And I've seen some tweets there saying that we abandoned them. Have not abandoned them, bro. It's play. funny. I was literally in a bunch of discords this past week when we were on, in a little bit of a lull, and I, you know, chimed in, "Hey, anybody still here?" <laughs> you know, it's like one or two people, like, "Yeah, man, where are you?" And I'm like, "I'm here, bro. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Just waiting for the next cycle, man." Yeah, Adam, don't worry. The, the pitchforks will come back out. Oh, of course, bro. Everyone oh. cares again, you know. And the discords are all filled with a bunch of doobies, and everyone pumping their dude, bags and, dude and in the next bull run it's gonna be like bro you've been shilling this shit for a decade and it's like well yeah i guess i have been <laughs> the the ultimate uh finality which i don't think is ever gonna happen but hopefully is everyone come around on name coin stuff but I, that is the heart that is the the biggest line in the stand or in the sand <laughs> for, for the community one thing i'm glad though is that everyone seems to the whole historical community is just even added more reinforcement around Mooncats as being this like pristine top historical NFT collection. Cause that was my thought during rediscovery. I was like, Oh, this is the Holy grail of, of H NFTs. And it seems like Jake, man, it's funny how, um, and I I just give that to the community, right. From, from a community perspective, there was so much positive vibes around Mooncats the, the negatives around it, you know, that it was all minted, most are minted in 2021, you know, the kind of negative aspects of it um, have been, you know, pushed under the rug. And, you know, it's all about generative and how awesome and early they were to generative and it, they were, right? And, you know, and so, yeah, I think at least in the historical NFT community, there's, there's huge, uh, you know, Mooncats are like this. It's funny, but they're like, you know, top tier, mm-hmm. uh, from a historical NFT perspective, people love them maybe higher than anything is other than punks. Maybe <laughs> like it's right there. It's like, it's like moon cat. It's like, it's like punks, Pepe's and moon cats. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, crazy. The, the guys, amount of love. We lost Billy. We bored him with historical stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to yeah, to kind of like to finalize that, it's actually over the last few months I've seen like a bunch of the the PFP influencers discussing like, ooh, early AI art or early generative stuff. I think that's sure. gonna hold a lot of value. Or I saw the like the 2017 stuff's gonna hold value, and I'm like, yep, that's. I mean, that's kind of what we're saying. And then they'll come out and and then be like, no, but the historical stuff's a grift. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> but so you so you get to set the guidelines now, <laughs> but we don't. <laughs> even though we've been here, it's so funny. It never. The one thing I never understood is like, why is it okay to speculate on PFPs and art, but you're not allowed to speculate on history? I just ne- I never understood why that's such a, a big line in the sand for some people. I don't know. Uh, to me, li- dude, if we've learned any, it's a line in the sand because their bags are packed mm-hmm. in a different method in a different way than our bags are packed, right? Mm-hmm. Like I might think, you know, I don't know. It's squiggles are the or squigglies are the whatever the biggest grift of all time. I may think that, right? But there are a lot of people with a lot of money who are pushing them, you know. And so, do I think they're probably going to win? They probably are going to win, even though they're stupid, right? But to say they're stupid, you know, 
that's my bags packed, right? So, I mean, I just think we're, we need to move to this like new spot where everybody just recognizes we all base our opinions based on our existing life circumstance, which includes the NFTs we hold or don't hold um, and realize we're all, actually we're all in the same boat, right? We're all in the NFT boat and our boat's tiny and the rest of the world is telling us that NFTs are BS, right? So we better get our shit together and start paddling. Cause if we paddle, like we're all set, it doesn't matter, you know, but yeah, I don't know. Some people don't think, feel like it's the same boat. They're, they're in another boat because they have perfect squiggles or whatever. Perfect squiggles. I do, <laughs> I, do like the, I do like the squiggles though, but man, they're they're pretty expensive now. Eighty uh, for one of those yeah. things? Come on, man. Come on, bro. Infinity is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> Very Just similar. Day one mooncat every day, twice on Sunday, man. Come on. Right. Very similarly, just with normal tokens too. If you have an opportunity and you miss out on it, you hate it more and you want it to be bad, and then you <laughs> start, you know yelling on the top of the mountain about how dumb it is and how ugly it is, especially in NFTs because it's more visual. But it, at the end of the day, yeah, I think going back to Mooncats, it's this throughput of, of NFTs. It's it's really not hated by anyone, which is which is pretty interesting, or at least not hated by a ton of big groups of people. It kind of unites all these different factions within NFT community, which is interesting. Yet it's never mooned, right, in, in the true sense. And you could get, what, like 50 of them for one squiggle or something. Yep. No kidding. You know, it's funny. And then I'll pass this off to ETH Horrid. Uh, right as uh, XRP was not called a security, one of my friends, Rags, who I had on the podcast, she had been uh, creating NFTs on uh, XRPL, which is like the, the, the XRP NFT platform, I guess. She was like, you better get these uh, historical XRP NFTs before people start buying them up. <laughs> Yo, like, that's so funny. I was literally going to make a tweet like XRP inscriptions incoming. Like what's going on over there? <laughs> it's called XRPL, I believe. Oh, so I, I, I keep telling her I'm going to dive into it. So I think maybe maybe today I'll finally like look into it. <laughs> but uh, she was like one of the first ones to make uh, to make uh, NFTs on, on XRP. I believe it went live like a few months ago. So speculate on history again. But not speculating here, but now discussing history uh, as ETH Hoard and Hoarder's Corner. So uh, let's pass it off to you, sir. Hey, thank you, sir. This is Hoarder's Corner, a weekly segment that explores the world of physical collecting, beginning to history, and exploring which characteristics drive value to drive parallels with historical NFTs. This week, we got, I've been wanting to do this one for a while. I'm not a big collector of it, but I am in awe of the market that it does produce, which is basketball sneakers. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Any of you guys collectors? I feel like Jake, you probably got a bunch of Air Jordan. No, I am. I'm actually not the shoe person to talk to. I, I wear, I'm the guy who wears the same shoes until they're just like are dead. I don't collect them at all. Uh, not my game. I don't know anything about them. So I, I've dabbled a little, not, not directly purchasing them, but there used to be an app where you could buy like fractional shoes and stuff. And I dabbled in that a little bit. So I had a couple of, uh, I, what did I have? I had like the bra back backboard breaking Air Jordans, like the ones, was it backboard break? Like one of these, like when he shattered a backboard, these were the Air Jordans he was wearing or something. It was like, you know, yeah. So, so anyway, run into this, man. This is going to be interesting. That's awesome. Did you, were you able to turn a profit when you were doing the fractional? I think so, yeah, yeah. Th those made, I, I made money on that platform for sure. Um, cause I got in super, it was like anything you get in super early and then the, you know, dumb retail comes in. <laughs> okay. 
I remember in college, right? Um, you have so much free time and you're just trying to make a buck. So I didn't do this, but a lot of my friends did, right? They'd wait in line at weird hours to, to get those limited edition shoes and then flip them. And yeah, people were making a couple hundred uh, just from waiting in line and doing it. And it's, it's just like a fun side gig too. I think it's about the excitement of being able, being able to do it less than the actual profit you're making. Sure. Okay. So the origins of shoes, I'm going to go briefly into just, I, I always like to, when we do these topics to figure out a, a little more about, you know, like how did this even start before basketball shoes? Obviously shoes have been a necessity for humans since ancient times, early footwear, was made of animal hides and natural materials like bark and leaves trying to picture uh shoes made of leaves <laughs> hey to not cut your feet back in you know the prehistoric days like it makes sense <laughs> but then when we think of like the first style of of footwear we think of kind of ancient egyptians and romans right they loved their sandals they emphasize both functionality and style and then you kind of jump forward to the 17th and 18th century. And that's more of your like super classic dress shoes, even like today, right? They, they look kind of like that. Those were popular and they were really kind of status symbols back then, right? So the fashion trends were kind of show, you know, who, who had enough money to, to actually wear tailored shoes. But it wasn't until the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century, which brought advancements in shoe manufacturing, which enabled mass production and affordability. So at that point, it didn't matter, you know, if you were in 1930s depression and homeless, you still had some shoes on your feet, thanks to those technological advances. But if we fast forward to the modern day, shoes have become an integral part of pop culture, influenced by sports, fashion, and celebrity endorsements. Have either of you guys seen, or anyone in the audience too, I mean, if, if you've seen Air, it's a fantastic, entertaining movie. I don't believe it's 100% accurate, but it is uh, a fun story, and I highly recommend it, and it's the uh, birth of the Air Jordan. I did watch Nike. that. I did watch that one. That was a good one. Yeah. So, and it's nice to see Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck sharing the screen again. <laughs> Okay, so the evolution of basketball shoes. The, the popularity of basketball in the 20th century led to the development of specialized basketball shoes. Converse's Chuck Taylor All-Stars were, I don't know if, uh, Jake, you have this up to mm -hmm. see it. Hopefully you don't. I want to ask, when, Adam and Jake, when do you think Converse Chuck Taylor first hit the market? We have, oh, we have I, it up. Uh, I have it up, but somebody in the uh, audience probably raise your hand if you want to guess, but I would have never thought it was this far back. I, was, I would have thought 1950, right? That would have been my, right? you know, yeah. I had to check a couple of sources and to, to be honest, 1917 is kind of wishy-washy of it being Chuck Taylor all-stars. There's some pre-Chuck Taylor Converse shoe for basketball that came out in, in, in 1917. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to put that date because that was when they first started making the Converse uh, basketball shoes. And then Chuck Crazy. Taylor put his name on it, um, I, I think, like a decade later. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, in the 1980s, Nike revolutionized the basketball shoe market with the release of the Air Jordan line, collaboration with Michael Jordan, Air Jordan became a cultural phenomenon with each new release generating immense hype and collector interest. I still remember, 
a kid uh, yeah. what's his name uh in my school i was in middle school when those got released and uh what's his name anyway he a kid bought had a pair and like the whole school was literally like buzzing like oh my god and I just looked at them and I was like, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. The original Jordans, man, they were like red and black. And, and, but man, the whole school was like on fire with these shoes, man. Didn't you grow up in Chicago too? No, I grew up in Connecticut, but this, they were a big deal. It was a big deal. A big deal. I was going to say for you to hate on those colors if, if you grew up in Chicago. <laughs> Damn, these Chuck Taylors I have on screen are from 1923. They look like just like the ones like today. It's incredible. Yeah. Man. They do. Except aged a million years, right? There, it's like, did, did the ancient years. Egyptians win? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, it's over 100 years old. That's incredible, dude. But they look older, right? They look older. <laughs> they I, would, look I would put these well on. By yeah, these actually, they look pretty sweet, actually. They look like if they made a model like that today, like that's the one I might actually buy. They look pretty cool. They definitely have that iconic looks, you know, even back in, in the early 1900s. By the way, if you've ever uh, tried to play basketball in Chuck Taylors, you're in for a world of hurt. <laughs> They're they not made for athletics. It's it's really bad. Really bad. I, I wore Chuck Taylors in college for years, for like all of my college experience, and actually played a couple pickup games in them. Jesus. Not meant for playing anything in them. They're awful. They will flatten your arches in a, a matter of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Better to play barefoot, man. Yeah. <laughs> so to value, right? I don't always talk about value because they're they're so obvious uh, in some of these collections. But this one is it's pretty interesting, right? You got the limited edition releases and collaborations, and of course, rare vintage shoes that command high values. Um, exclusive colorways, unique designs, and iconic collaborations increase the desirability of these things so without further ado we'll go into the notable sales i do want to note i could have just done a list of super expensive shoes that were worn by famous basketball players and then sold but i thought it was more interesting to talk about brand new unworn shoes and how much some of the more expensive ones went for there's a list of 10 i didn't grab just the three most expensive i grabbed three that i thought were some of the most unique so I'm going to start with the Nike Air Mag, which uh, is the iconic Back to the Future shoe. This sold for $12,000. And thank you, ETH, for being $2,000 right now because <laughs> it made the math very easy. That is six ETH. Nike recreated these futuristic shoes in 2011, initially making only 20 pairs and selling them for $12,000 a pop. Since then, they've made a lot more, and they obviously don't sell for the same amount, but those, um, the, you know, those are... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're like reprints and they, they say that. Nike Air Zoom Kobe 1s. These sold for $30,000 each, 15 ETH a piece. The Air Zooms were released in 2005 when Kobe dominated. He wore these shoes in his epic 81 point game, which is the second most in NBA history. And only 25 pairs of this shoe were ever made. So I would assume now with Kobe's passing, if, if one of these were, were to go up, it doesn't matter if Kobe signed them or warm or anything like that. They're going to, they're going to probably you know, throw a zero on the back of that, man. That's like probably 300 grand for those, I would think. And then the most expensive shoe that 
wasn't worn by an athlete is the special edition Reebok question. Sold for $65,000, which is a full validator, 32. Designed by Alan Iverson, AI, right? Was he the question, the answer? I, I can't remember his, his nickname. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. He was the answer. Yeah. The answer, yeah. So this was the question, he was the answer. That's, mm. that's the point over. Um, so Dude, that's the ugly. That may be the ugliest shoe of all time. Look <laughs> at that shoe, man. That is something, bro. You gotta, you guys, join the. the oh, I own twenty of these, Adam, and I think it's the <laughs> shoe, and everyone should buy one. Um, but yeah, I, I think that clown red and white looks bad. The all black looks a little better, but it's it looks outdated for sure, right? With the kind of beehive um, soles. Dude, it looks like and, a, a child's shoe, like a, a like my little two-year-old you know I, I would have put that on my kid when he was like a two or three-year-old or something it looks because it said it, said it came, <laughs> came out with 246 studded diamonds a leather upper suede overlays comfortable hexalite cushioning and a translucent outsole wow a guess, lot of marketing jargon yeah <laughs> but yeah, exactly dude um and yeah this was a one of one there was only one so it's that's why it's so expensive. But I did look into it. There's a lot of these Reebok questions. They're still making them now. And if you want to buy one, there's still over $100 to get one without diamonds. So that's that's a lot of that's a lot of money for a shoe that looks like it should be on Adam's two, you know, old two-year-old. <laughs> Scroll up a little, Jake. I want to see those other ones again. So Jake's got it on. So that's the question. Okay, so Jordan's at the at the second spot, Jordan threes. Um, Jordan's like most of these. Look at yeah. that. The Jordan six. He said like the leopard skin. I actually like the sixes. That's like the all blacks. Um, yeah. The Kobe's are the Kobe's are pretty pretty interesting and cool. But there there's the Jordan one. That was the one. The black and white. Yeah. This is the one. The Kobe's look a lot like the Back to the Future shoe. It's funny they do. It's actually like for me, I like those now. They look cool now, but in trust me, whatever, nineteen eighty five or whatever, it was two thousand two. Yeah, it was stunning the way those looked. But those Kobe's are. My roommate cool. in college had twenty different color of the Air Jordans. It was insane. I gave him shit every day for it. You're right about the Air Mag looking like the Kobe's. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> the Michael J. Fox shoe. So funny. Yeah, and then uh, Ethor also. I don't know if you were going to go over this. The one, the other one that you shared of the Michael Jordan's last dance trainers. Were you going? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. so this is the Grail. I wanted to include this because it's a record-breaking sale. Mm -hmm. uh, this sold actually pretty recently, I think, last year. But the Air Jordans 13s sold last year for 2.2 million dollars. That's 1,100 ETH. <laughs> These shoes were worn by Michael Jordan in game two of the 1997 finals. Uh, this was Jordan's last dance year. He obviously did come back to the NBA to play for the, the Wizards, but I mean, this was his, his final year. And then that documentary came out, which probably helped this thing sell. Um, they set a record price at auction for game-worn sports footwear, and it actually broke his own record. 1.1 million was the old record, which was for a different set of Jordan game-worn shoes. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Obviously, Jordan is the king of footwear, and it's no surprise that the next one that will probably break this record will be another pair. Of and look at the headline here. It says the price came in well below Sotheby's predicted high of four million dollars, <laughs> and it was double. It was still double what the last one was. Funny, uh, yeah, quite Bear interesting. Market, right? So, what would you rather have these these Air Jordans or an Alien Punk? They're both eleven hundred ETH. 
So you get, or maybe it's a zombie that, that value. I don't even know at this point anymore. I take the punk. Well, Thank you. Yeah. Right. I can't flip these immediately. No, wait, until, wait until they wait until somebody creates an NFT representation of this, and then, <laughs> and then goes and borrows, and then goes and borrows against it on arcade for like I don't know five hundred ETH, and everyone's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" I don't know if you saw. Have you guys seen that recently of the uh, the tokenized uh, Rolexes that are being borrowed against on on arcade? Yeah, I saw that. Very cool. Just the beginning, man. Uh, for those that haven't been following around, uh, so Arcade is a it's a NFT borrowing and lending platform that we work with at Emblem Vault. Um, I don't know if they partnered with this company or not, but of of recency, there's been three or four Rolexes that have been turned into NFTs, and then people are going and borrowing against it. And there's a company I don't remember the company's name um, that's kind of like I guess the leader in this of tokenizing it. Yep. It's, and that's it's always the issue, right? It was like, who's going to be the trusted third party to take the physical, hold it, and then issue the NFT against it? That's just like, you need this trusted third party, right? And obviously, this company's moved into that space. Yep. And then to redeem it, you uh, burn the NFT. And then it gives you like a, I guess then because it's a central entity, they, they know that it's burned. And so then you send your address in. Yep. That's going to be the huge unlock whenever that starts happening. Cause then you can, attack. it's happening, right? It's like, yeah, it's, we, we talked about it. Okay. Well, in the art space, right. Who's going to be that trusted third party, right? Is it going to be Sotheby's or is, who's it going to be the ones to accept it and issue the NFT against it? That's what you need for the physical. Seems like, unless somebody figures out another way. Yeah. Before, before I start working at emblem, I, I almost signed a contract with this uh, third party, this very large third party um, sneaker company. Um, I think it might be the largest third-party sneaker company and in, in the world. Um, and I was helping them consult on this idea, and it was the same idea. They were going to do it with sneakers, where they were going. They had this uh, AC climate-controlled room with cameras in it, and they would issue 500 NFTs against each shoes, and they ha- they would have their own marketplace. And it was for the sneakerheads to basically flip the price exposure uh, against each other. And at any point, you could go and redeem. The, the NFT by burning it and they would send it to you. But but at any point you could like tap into the, it was like a token gated access where if you had the token to it, then it would show you the cameras of that like AC controlled room. So you could like look at the box of your sneakers. Look at the box of your sneakers. In this like climate controlled room. They ultimately ended up getting sued by um, Nike for um, putting their logos on <laughs> the NFTs. Oh, no way. Without like consulting with them, uh, so I don't oh, know if the project's gonna happen. You dodged a bullet there, then, Jake. Bro, yeah. you made your luck got lucky there, bro. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, how did you not think of that firsthand? <laughs> but uh, I, I could see where Nike's gonna probably do this. Nike's pretty heavy into the NFT space. They filed an NFT patent back in like 2018, actually, about breeding shoes. After- I mean, I thought for the certainly for the cards, you know, the card grading company that already is grading the cards uh it just makes sense for them to do it um because look if you send in your whatever your pokemon card and they grade it for you and then they just hold it for you uh that would seem to be like just easy peasy you know just makes sense but um you know there's probably a lot of there's a lot of third-party risk there that that these companies don't want to take on so might be a while yeah you could be a cassette Imagine just being going from a grading company to like you're now the the largest sports card custodial. custodial <laughs> oh my god! The in the world, <laughs> they're after <after> insurance. <laughs> quite quite funny. 
Yeah. Uh, no, it's a great, I mean, dude, the idea, you know, it's, it's so solid. It's, it, it will happen. It's just a matter of who's, who's going to be in the different industries, right? Sports cards, easy one. <clears throat> well, easy in that it makes complete sense. Like who the hell wants to hold their car? I mean, some people do like they want to have them on display or something, but uh, I mean, just to unlock that liquidity, so many people would just send them all into the grading company and then just keep them there, you know, and then just trade the assets on a wet, on a marketplace. Oh, especially if you're oh. just trying to flip it immediately. Totally dude. Dude, it just makes complete sense that the, the liquidity would come into the market, then the loans, then all the other stuff, man. It's just, it's literally a no brainer. It's just a matter of when, 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 but speaking, speaking of when, I don't think we've covered uh, emblem yet. We've had a pretty wild few weeks. <laughs> To think about it, we had three product launches in back-to-back-to-back weeks. We had Cursed Ordinals, Eatscriptions, two BRC20s, and now we have the migration, right? It's been a full week. I was on I was on uh, Randy's Ordinals wallet spaces the other day, and he was talking about how Ordinals wallet had taken a break the last like month to watch everything. And I was like, man, I complete opposite. I feel like I've lived in my room the last month. <laughs> but BRC20... Um, interesting kind of launch just to kind of reassess that, uh, there's been, the trading has been halted on OpenSea um, for, uh, I guess, regulatory reasons, um, as they still evaluate it still live on blur. Uh, we are going to look to adding a bulk minting tool at some point, um, after migration in the UI upgrade, um, to really help assist that. Uh, so we are refining some of the, the what, what, once we have our UI upgrade, I think that'll also make things probably a lot more friction, frictionless as possible. Uh, but we still, the, the amount of demand for this, we, I talked with, I think, four different BRC20 teams in the last two days alone about the interest. So it's still there. And uh, uh, they all come for different reasons as well. But it seems like, from my understanding, most of these BRC20 teams also have large ETH communities. And so they're trying to speak to them in some way. And some of them even have ETH collections. And so some are even discussing a curated collection and a BRC20 collection where they're like, hey, we can take three of our ordinal collections and one of our ETH collections. Can we all just put this on the same contract and make it easier for all of our collectors um, to, to issue it? So kind of interesting update there. Uh, migration is underway. Um, we're still working through it. It's going to be a multi-week process, which I've uh, said multiple times, but it seems like nobody really listens. <laughs> I don't know if you saw in our Discord, uh, somebody said, uh, so how long is the migration going to take? And I said, probably about two, two to three weeks. And, uh, and then, like, literally right underneath it, he's like, yeah, but how long is it going to take? <laughs> They never, they oh, never listen. Two to three weeks, bro. <laughs> Jesus, man. Read, man. No, it's shame. Yeah, no. yeah, we're who who was it? I was talking with Brian, who's like a big rare Pepe guy. Brian Mikeum, I think his last name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the gambler. Player. Yeah. He was like, uh, so are all of my hundred rare Pepe's uh, good to go in this wallet? And he gave me his wallet address. And I said, you have two options. You can uh, do nothing and you'll receive all of your upgraded Pepe's in, uh, in, the, in the rare Pepe collection for free. Or you can unvault them all, pay the fee, and then vault them all again and pay the fee. And he was like, I love when one of my strategy options is do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, That's like a poker player responds. <laughs> so right, uh 
Yeah, so I mean, it seems like most we saw a lot of uh, Bitcoin punks get unvaulted. I think that was uh, Ordinal Markets campaign to unvault them. It was funny though because I had two people message me privately asking about it, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, you can uh, not do anything and get in the curated collection." And they were like, "What? <laughs> Why did no one tell me this?" So I was like, "We did tell you this, but you're just getting persuaded by the other team, which is uh, which is completely okay too, whatever." But I have a feeling we might see a handful of them kind of vault back afterwards. Yeah. Um, but really, the legacy contracts down about 200 owners from 11,600 to 11,400, or maybe a little bit below that. So huge display of trust. So rock on to you guys. Um, trust us. Uh, we're right now in the valuation process and um, still um, deciding which goes where. Uh, we knew this was it would happen uh, where once we started looking under the hood, once all the contracts were paused, which we really couldn't do until everything was paused um, or delisted. Um, we also had to give some padding of time there. Um, I actually thought like there would be some more marketplaces that uh, would give us issues from like communication standpoint, but all was pretty much well outside of uh, Uniswap is still there and Coinbase and OKX. And so if you're listening to this, I highly, highly, highly recommend do not trade on these. Do not trade on these. You will get wrecked at some point in time um, once those once those are uh, vaulted because those vaults will be empty. Um, yep. So there's only so much we could do. I tried to get in contact with OKX and Coinbase many times. Did not work. Uniswap's an aggregator that has no listings, so they just aggregated. I asked them directly to delist the aggregator. They said no, so uh, up to them then, right? Can't control all of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when people are like, well, what's taking so long or why isn't stuff moved yet? It's like, you got to understand there's 50,000 items, which we have to classify for where they're going to go. And uh, that's not an easy process. <laughs> uh, I mean, anybody who's done anything at scale with, with numbers like that, uh, it's extremely challenging, especially when we just can't get, we can't make mistakes, right? So it's going to be a bit. Yeah, but... Once we're on the other side, man, uh, it'll be smooth sailing. That's when all that's when the fun starts. When you get that, easy. <laughs> once you get that done and the UI upgrade, uh, I think yeah, I think we'll uh, be in a very very good ready position. for bull run, man. Bull, yeah. bull run incoming, man. The best time to do it right now, right? As uh, probably some attention is coming back to the space. We discussed this before that there's no way you could do this migration during a bull market. There's oh just it's no awesome. way it could happen at all. So yeah, no, exciting. The, timing, the timing worked perfectly, honestly, for us. And uh, we've been so fortunate this year to have all this new activity, ordinals, descriptions, you know, everything, all the kind of craziness uh, has prepared us for like to do this sort of, you know, huge lift, uh, which would have been, I mean, just, it would have been impossible at the start of the year. We wouldn't have had the experience to do all this sort of stuff. And so, um, yeah, very thankful that it all worked out this way. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. So stay tuned for that. I'm the Twitter, the emblem Twitter account is going to be posting individual tweets for all the, the new and upcoming curated collections. So that's going to be uh, quite exciting. And then last topic for today, I want to cover uh, our friendly frog um, community uh, season 15 of fake rares is beginning nice. pretty soon. Of course, very rare, 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 fake rare fashion. They didn't record the spaces talking about everything. Like, Dude, always, bro. Never bro. record anything. <laughs> I was like, you tweet about it, and then I can't even read. I can't even listen to to what they were discussing. Um, 
but there is kind of this new meta that's been happening. I'm going to try to find the Twitter account. Um, I think Rare Skrilla and a few of these guys are behind it, behind this like orange. Um, I think it's called like the the something collection. I forget what it is, but it's like this like orange wave of fake rare. So I think you're gonna see a lot of like these type of orange stuff. Um, I got it. I'm trying to try to find that Twitter account. Uh, but Rare Skrilla and them and the fake rare team, they also started like a, an Ordinals Pepe project as well. So I think there's gonna be some meshing there. But season, season 15, man, this has been going on now for over two years. Um, when it'll end, I have no idea. I know there's still multiple hundreds of the uh, fake ASF cards, which you have to burn to get into the fake rare directory. Um, I don't know, man. I, Adam, you own any of uh, these fake rares? You're about one? I'm out of the fake rare uh, business. I, I, there's <laughs> too much, dude. There's too many to try and, like, remember and do all this sort of stuff man i just it's too much man i, I can't do everything uh, go ahead dog father yeah hi guys sorry for being late i had some good. something going on ballet performance by the daughter first one i, ha I had to go there <laughs> i think it's a good excuse uh so i mean the, the fake rares are kind of legends i mean they 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 were really open you know and invited people like uh, Chaniak and, and others like the superstars in, in, into counterparty. I mean, really a uh, big shout out to them. I, I listened into, um, their performance on the Ordinance show when they were really like, uh, trying to talk Leonidas and Bitgod into making one. And they were really like, mm, uh, uh, mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I missed that one, man. I didn't yeah. hear that. That's good. That, that was awesome. And, and then I was, I, I pinked with God, like, come on, I, I can help you. And he was like, yeah, of course. And then, you know, never heard back. So <laughs> if you hear that, I, 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 I was kind of securing a few cool token on counterparty. So I think we will, we will have some, some really fun ones in, in that series and really like also reaching to other communities to the ordinal. So pretty, pretty cool idea. I mean, Skrilla is doing an amazing job and, you should grab some fake rares. I mean, they're really cool ones. They're uh, now relatively affordable. And yeah, I, th I think it's, 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 it's a very cool project. Yeah, they're, uh, this will also be very good timing for once we roll out the fake rares curated collection, uh, which will come out again in a few weeks. You have a lot of these popular artists. Like, look, you have Vincent Van Doe, Mike Three, Bats. They're all right next to each other. To get these on Ethereum, which which a lot of these cards are created by Ethereum NFT artists, uh, I think will bring a lot more attention to it. Uh, right here's Bunzi's card from that, <laughs> uh, the mullet, uh, Pepe Nardo. Like you get a lot a lot of these like very top like popular ones. I think it was season eight or series eight. I think was like the legendary one, season eight or season nine. I'm gonna try to find which one it was. Um, that had like all of the bit like super super big artists. I think it was season season nine. Um, so you see Joe Looney's card too. Uh, but it's gonna be exciting, man. Pepe community never quits. They're always doing something different. There's always a Pepe bull market somewhere. It just depends which one it is. Oh, here's the Joe Peace card. This one was consistently selling on the Legacy Collection, like consistently in the floors to eat. I know you have like Grant Young's got some, Coldy's got some, I think Art Gnome's got one. Yep. Uh, they're all in it. They're all riding. Oh, Jake Freed, uh, he's good artist as well. But good times, man. I just wanted to bring that up, give a shout out to our friendly Pepe community because uh, 
I have a few fake rares. I need to get some more. I guess I just need more money. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of that uh, that movie. It's like uh, this guy's got a terrible gambling problem, and uh, you know they're like trying to convince him to go to you know rehab or whatever, and he's like, "I don't have a gambling problem. I have a cash flow problem." <laughs> <laughs> That's true, man. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God, get that OXBT going. So um, so I'll have some money to buy some fake rares. But uh, yeah, we're at an hour and a half. I appreciate everyone for, for hanging around. Uh, Adam, any final words um, before we close off in the week? Well, I guess we're going to see what's happening tomorrow, man, right? Saturday's the uh, Big God's going to announce this. I may pick up a little, not financial advice, of course, just because I would like to get one of whatever he's dropping. I'll, I'll you know what I'll do? I'll probably get it. And then it's like, no, XPT's got nothing to do with the, uh, <laughs> yeah, or it'll drop, but you know, so that's interesting. Something to watch this weekend to see how that goes. I wish him luck, man. I, you know, hate to see guys get wrecked, uh, who seem like decent people and he seems like a good dude. Yeah. He's committed, man. Uh, dog father, any final words? No, I mean, just enjoy the weekend. Um, there will be another week, another craziness and, um, yeah, um I i'm cooking something hopefully it's getting out soon so that's Ooh. why i was a bit quiet the last Ooh. two weeks so uh fully non-commercial so nothing to ape in but uh, hopefully it's it's interesting for the long run nice. sounds like it might be something up the doe jolly all right ethord uh final person before i close this up all ends with you Stay cool everyone it's time to get hot outside that it is sunday in vegas it's going to be 118 degrees oh my god dude <laughs> 118 alright guys take care we'll see you next week thanks guys